chickens. Today we are talking about what happened after Christ got to the Garden of Gethsemane, which was an olive garden right outside the east walls of Jerusalem. It was a place that Jesus went to often to pray and to teach his fellow disciples. On their way there, some of Christ's apostles started to feel really sad and they started to complain in their hearts. They questioned whether or not Christ was really the Messiah after all. Satan was working so hard to make them doubt and disbelieve in Christ. Well, after Christ and his apostles finally got to the garden, and remember, there were only 11 of them at this point since Judas was on his way to portray Christ to the Jewish leaders. So after they got there, Christ told them all to sit outside the garden wall to wait while he went to pray inside the garden. Then he asked Peter, James, and John to follow him. And as they were walking into the garden, Jesus started to feel very distressed and very troubled. He said to the three men with him, Oh, my soul is incredibly sad. So sad that I feel like I might die. Please wait right here and stay awake with me. Jesus then walked a little farther away from his three apostles, about a stone's throw away, and he fell down to the ground on his face, and he began to pray. He said, O Abba, which is a special word for father or dad. So Christ said, Abba, if it is possible, please do not make me do this. And then Jesus spoke in a sort of short parable in his prayer when he said, Please take this cup away from me so that I don't have to drink the bitter drink that's inside of it. But what I want does not matter if you want me to go through with this. Jesus was perfectly obedient to Heavenly Father's plan, even though he did not want to be obedient in that moment. He knew obedience would cause him so, so, so much pain and ultimately death, but he knew that he could save all of Heavenly Father's children by being obedient, so he chose to do what Heavenly Father wanted instead of only what he wanted. Well, my little chickens, do you know what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you know why Christ was so sad that he felt like he might die? And do you know what pain he felt while he was there? Well, some scriptures we have from the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants help us understand what happened better than the story that is written in the New Testament of the Bible. So I will use some of, what, some of that information while explaining to you what happened. While Christ was in the garden, he suffered for the sins of every single person who has ever had a body on this earth. 
the worst kind of feelings and sufferings we have are those that we feel when we have sinned or have chosen to distance ourselves from God. One of the facts about Heavenly Father and the celestial kingdom itself is that no one who is sinful and unrepentant can live with Him again. According to the great law of justice, whoever has sinned must live forever in their sins, which means to be miserable and to feel gross and crummy in your heart forever unless you repent. Is that how you feel when you sin? That's how I feel. My heart feels terrible. Well, wouldn't it be miserable to feel that way forever? I know I would not want to spend the rest of my life or the rest of eternity feeling that way. And that is why I am so grateful that Christ suffered in Gethsemane. He felt all of the pain, the hurt, the heartache and sorrow that I have ever felt and will ever feel. All of the crumminess I feel when I have sinned and all of the heartache I feel when I hurt someone else or when someone else hurts me. You see, he experienced that pain for me and for everyone else while he was in Gethsemane. He also felt what we would feel like when we are sick or tired or lonely or angry or miserable or in any physical pain. You see, he lived a perfect life on earth, so he didn't know what it was like to have a heart that felt crummy after he had sinned until he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Heavenly Father let him feel all those terrible feelings. And isn't that amazing that he willingly chose to feel those things and to feel what it would feel like for us if we never repented or changed? Jesus Christ once told Joseph Smith that he suffered in Gethsemane for us, all of us, so that if we would repent, we wouldn't have to suffer anymore. We could trade our crummy feeling hearts for peaceful hearts if we wanted to and chose to believe that through Christ it was possible. Now, do you know what it feels like to have your whole body covered in sweat? Maybe after running around outside for a long time on a hot day? Well, that sweat comes out of tiny holes in your skin called pores. Well, we learn in the book of Luke, and Jesus also taught Joseph Smith that he suffered so much pain in his heart and mind and body in the Garden of Gethsemane that he started to bleed from every single pore. Can you believe that? Christ had blood coming out of his pores instead of sweat, and it dropped down onto the ground. Can you imagine feeling that much pain? I cannot. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I would have died before feeling that much pain since I have an entirely mortal body. Jesus Christ was able to bear and suffer that much pain partly because he was God's son and had a more perfect body than we mortals do. I'm grateful that Jesus' body could handle that much pain, and I'm so grateful that he chose to do what Heavenly Father had asked him to do instead of what he himself wanted to do. Jesus told Joseph Smith that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he shrank away from suffering for all of us. 
But in the end, he chose to save us from an eternity of sorrow by suffering our sorrow for us. In order to receive such a blessing of a clean and peaceful heart, though, and in order to be able to live in Heavenly Father's kingdom with him again, we must, must, must repent. We must change. We must believe that Christ lived and suffered for us, and we must be so grateful that he did such an amazing thing for us. Otherwise, if we choose not to believe that Christ is our Savior, the scriptures teach us that it would be as if Christ didn't suffer for us at all. We would have to live an eternity of suffering if we choose not to repent and to accept Christ as our Savior. Now, sometimes calming our hearts down to feel faith and gratitude is hard, though, if we're used to being angry and suffering all the time. And some people let their hearts get so angry and hard and cold that they never have and never will repent. The wonderful thing about living here on earth is that our beliefs are up to us. We get to choose whether or not we want to repent. Again, sometimes it can be really hard to repent, but we must always remember the great blessings that can come to us if we do. And it is important to remember the miserable eternity that we have to live if we don't. We must always try to remember, too, that we are never alone in this life, never alone in our feelings or pain, because Jesus knows exactly what we're going through, because he experienced our same feelings and pains, too. He experienced these things so that he could provide us comfort and strength and peace and hope here on earth. So that when Satan tries to make us think we're alone, we can say to him, No way, Satan. I have a Savior who loves me and knows exactly what I'm going through. And I will trust in his help. Now, here are some interesting facts about Christ's suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you know what kind of garden it was? It was an olive tree garden. And do you know what happens to olives there when they are first crushed to make olive oil? They ooze a red liquid. Does that remind you of Christ bleeding from every pore? Also, after olives are pressed and crushed in order to make olive oil, the oil can be used for many important things. Jesus talked about oil in some of his parables, like in the parable of the ten virgins and in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Oil has been used throughout history to anoint kings, and oil is used in our temples today in a special ceremony called the initiatory. Also, in our church today, worthy men who are ordained to the Melchizedek priesthood can give healing blessings to sick people using oil that we call consecrated oil. To consecrate something means to make it sacred and special. Just like oil is used in healing people's bodies today, Christ's blood that he shed in Gethsemane by suffering for our sins and sicknesses can help heal our broken hearts. There are so many amazing things I could tell you about Gethsemane, but I will continue on with our story for now. After Jesus spent some more time suffering in Gethsemane, he went to find Peter, James, and John. Do you remember how he had asked them to stay awake with him? Well, 
he found them all lying on the ground sleeping. Christ was feeling exhausted from all of his suffering, so he said, Hey guys, could you really not stay awake with me for just one hour? I'm going back into the garden, but please stay awake with me and pray while I'm gone. Pray that you are not tempted by Satan to fall asleep, because your spirit might want to stay awake, but your body is telling you to fall asleep. So, Christ went back into the garden for the second time, and he prayed again. Oh, my father, I really don't want to suffer anymore. But if that is what you want, then I will do it. Well, it was what Heavenly Father wanted, since Christ's sufferings provide the only way for all of his for all of Heavenly Father's children to be able to repent and live with him again. Although watching his most beloved son suffer so many terrible feelings and pains surely made him sad too. Christ spent another little while suffering, and when he returned to his three apostles, guess what? He found them sleeping again. They were so tired. He didn't wake them up this time, but he went back into the garden to suffer a third time, and he said the same prayer again. He suffered so much and felt so much pain that Heavenly Father sent an angel to him to give him strength and comfort and encouragement. After Christ was done suffering, he came back out to his apostles and he said, Now is the time for me to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up and let's get ready to go. Judas will be here soon. As he was speaking, sure enough, Judas appeared with a large group of Jews carrying spears and swords. And there were chief priests and elders in the group too. Now, Judas had told the leaders, When we get to the garden, watch me, and whoever I kiss is Jesus Christ. Then you can take him. When Judas walked up to Jesus, he said, Hail, Master, and he gave Christ a kiss on the cheek. And Jesus said, Friend, are you really going to betray me by kissing me as though you love me? Jesus then turned to the mob in front of him and he said, Did you really come out here with all these weapons as though you were trying to catch a wicked thief? I sat in the temple with you, teaching the Jews, but you never took me then. At that moment, some men came and grabbed Jesus to take him away, and Peter became really upset. So he quickly grabbed his sword and sliced off the ear of a man named Malchus, who was one of the high priest's servants. Do you think you would do the same? Wouldn't you want to protect Jesus from the group of people who had been trying to kill him for months? Well, what do you think Jesus did? Do you think he tried to run away and escape? Nope. Jesus actually turned to Peter and he said, Peter, put your sword away. Don't you think that I could protect myself if I wanted to? I could pray to Heavenly Father, and He would give me twelve legions of angels to protect me. But I will not do that, because if I did that, then I would not be fulfilling the scriptures that say I must be killed by the wicked Jews here. Well, as the Jews began to take Jesus away, all of His apostles ran away out of fear and confusion, 
except for John and Peter. The group of Jews took Jesus illegally to Annas first. This was illegal because under Jewish law, Annas should have had no say in what to do with their prisoners. But they took him there anyway. You see, Annas used to be the high priest when Jesus was a younger boy. And he was a very powerful, very rich, very rich, very greedy man. Five of his sons ended up being the high priests at different points in time, including Caiaphas, who was married to Annas' daughter. Well, after meeting with Christ, Annas sent him right on to Caiaphas to be judged. Christ's apostle John followed along with Christ, since he knew Caiaphas and felt comfortable following Jesus Christ to the palace. Peter, Peter followed sneakily behind the group of Jews and went into a yard in Caiaphas's palace to sit with the servants there by a fire. He wanted to find out what was going to happen to Christ. Now, before we talk about what happened, I want to make it very clear that what the Jews were doing to Jesus was illegal. Since they declared him their prisoner, they were supposed to take him to a council in the court of the Sanhedrin, or the Jewish leaders who helped them interpret their laws. But instead, they took him straight to the high priest. Also, it was illegal for the Sanhedrin or other Jewish council members to gather together to charge a prisoner with any crime on the Sabbath, a feast day, or the night before a feast day. And do you remember what Jesus had just been doing a few hours before he was arrested? He was eating the Passover meal with his apostles. It was the day of the Feast of the Passover, and the Jewish leaders were choosing to break their own laws. Not only that, it was also illegal to gather together to charge prisoners, prisoners at night, which is exactly what they were doing. They were trying to escape the attention of all the other Jews who did believe that Christ was the Savior. And so they chose to do it at night. Does that surprise you at all? Now, all of those wicked Jews that were gathered there had illegally found some false witnesses against Jesus in order to condemn him to death. This means that they found people who would lie about Christ and things that he had said and did so that they could accuse him of things that weren't true. Does that seem right to you? It wasn't. And again, their actions were against the law. Isn't it strange that these wicked Jews would break their own laws in order to prove that Jesus, an innocent man, was guilty? Well, even though they had gathered these false witnesses, they had a problem. The witnesses' lies didn't quite match up with one another. One person said one thing, but another person said another thing, and none of their stories quite made sense or fit together. And according to their law, in order to charge a person with a crime, they needed to find two witnesses who saw and said the exact same things. But they could not find two witnesses like this to testify against Jesus. One of the false witnesses said, Jesus said that he could destroy the temple of God and then build it back up in three days. At this point, Caiaphas stood up and he said, Do you have anything to say in response to what all these witnesses are saying, Jesus? But Jesus didn't say anything in response. He just stood there looking at Caiaphas. He knew that according to their law, 
he didn't have to defend himself or testify against himself. So Jesus chose to say nothing. Caiaphas then said, I command you to tell us before God whether or not you are Christ, the Son of God. And at that, Jesus chose to speak and he said, Why should I tell you? You wouldn't believe me even if I spoke the truth. I have never hidden any truth from anyone I have ever taught. And I've taught the Jews and my disciples openly in the temple. You can ask them and they can tell you who I am. Jesus was trying to make them go about things legally and find other witnesses to testify for or against him. To make him testify against himself was illegal. But his answer upset everyone there. And so one of the officers that was standing near him smacked him really hard on the head and he said, Don't you dare talk to the high priest that way. Jesus turned to him and meekly said, If I have spoken evil things, then you testify to everyone here of those evil things. But if I have not spoken evil things, then why did you just hit me? Then Christ turned to Caiaphas and said, I will respond to you. Yes, I am the Christ, the Son of God. In fact, you will see the Son of Man sitting on God's right side soon, coming back to earth in the clouds. Well, after Christ said this and testified against himself, Caiaphas became so upset. Back in that time, to show other people that you were upset, you could rip the front of your shirt. So Caiaphas ripped his shirt, and then he said, Ah, Jesus has spoken blasphemy. He is speaking lies. Do we need any other proof that he should be put to death? Everyone listen. Now, you have heard this man's lies. What do you think? And everyone said, He is guilty of death. Let's put him to death. According to their law, they were supposed to have an organized vote to decide whether or not the prisoner was guilty. But of course, we have no record of them following their own laws by doing this in Jesus' case. Also, according to their laws, it was suspicious for every single member of the member of the council to vote against a prisoner. A unanimous vote, or a vote all for one thing with no one voting for the opposite thing, told them that perhaps there was some planning going on in between the council members against the prisoner, which was a sign that maybe it hadn't been a fair trial. Of course it was not a fair trial in Jesus' case, but the Jewish leadership was so wicked and corrupt that they didn't care. Also in their time, the decision of whether or not to put a prisoner to death could only be made by the Roman leadership at that time. So, although the Sanhedrin or council of priests had decided that Jesus needed to die, they couldn't actually kill him. They needed to take him to the Romans for that, and so they decided to do that as early as possible the next morning. And then, do you know what they did to our sweet, innocent, and loving Jesus? They walked up to him, and they spit in his face. They blindfolded him, and they pushed him around, and some of them even hit him with their hands. While they were being so mean to him, they said things like, Prophesy to us, Christ. Tell us which one of us hit you. Well, 
while Christ was being so mistreated in Caiaphas's palace, Peter was sitting outside, warming himself by the fire, and waiting to see what would happen to Jesus. While he was sitting there, one of Caiaphas's maids came up to him and said, Hey, I've seen you with that man, Jesus from Galilee. But Peter said to her and everyone who was there with them, Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. He turned and walked off the porch of the palace, and as he was doing so, a different woman saw him and said to the people with her, Ah, this man right here was one of Jesus' apostles. And this time Jesus promised he never knew Jesus, and he said, I don't know that man. After a little while, as he was sitting outside the palace, there was a group of people nearby who came near him and said, Oh, you sound like you're from Galilee. Hey, you must be one of Jesus' followers since you speak like him. This really upset Peter, and he said, I swear I don't know that man. And at that very moment, Peter could hear a rooster crowing, and he remembered what Jesus had said, that he was going to deny knowing Christ three times before the rooster crowed that morning. When he realized that he really had done what Jesus said he was going to do, he went away from the people and sat and cried so bitterly. He knew he had made a mistake and he knew that he had caused harm and heartache to Jesus. And so while he was crying, I wonder if he was repenting. Well, chickadees, that is the end of this story. Next time, I will tell you where Caiaphas sent Jesus to next. Until then, have a wonderful day. Goodbye. (music) Thank <music> you.